pitch. O'Neill crushes one out to deep left field. How far? Mammoth shot. Tyler O'Neill. Home run number 14. Two-run homer. And O'Neill sends one out to center. Zimmer back. Uh, felt good to shake hands again, that's for sure. But, you know, the boys came out swinging it today. Wayne will pitch a heck of a game. Uh, you know, Carp got us out on the right foot earlier in the game, too. So, uh, you know, it was a good game all around. Tyler O'Neill showed a little bit again of everything last night. Welcome into the Danny Mac Show Thursday edition. That is BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin. The Cardinals win it by the final of 8-2. to two. Adam Wainwright, we'll get into him in just a moment. He's now 4-5 and five after the win. He went seven innings. It was clean baseball. And man, was it needed. The Cardinals needed that win. And there's so many different aspects that we can jump into. Daniel Descalso, uh, former world champion of the 2011 St. Louis Cardinals, is coming up. But BK, first of all, I got to tell you, can I, I, Can we be honest here? I mean, I yeah, try to absolutely. always bring honesty to the program. Uh, there are times that uh, the Cardinals uh, don't look so hot, especially recently. And uh, I really don't want to see your face. I really don't. Because I, I know that. we're going to have to talk about some negative things, and sometimes it's nice to have a losing skid stopped and talk about some positives. So I'm ready to talk about some positives, and it's no disrespect to you. No, I I totally understand where you're coming from. Take I feel the same take, way. Take the right way. It is reciprocated for me to you, Dan. Thank you. Um, I th- I think there are probably some listeners that are like, man, these guys love the fact, or not you, Dan. You're you're a little different. BK loves the fact that the Cardinals are losing. I take no enjoyment. Oh, I don't whatsoever. think you do. In the Cardinals losing. I'm going to give you it credit. Stinks. You do a lot of homework. You watch the games. You're well-informed. So I, I give you all the credit in the world. You come prepared. And sometimes the Looking numbers. Looking up crappy numbers the really numbers sucks. are <laughs> what they are. So you sometimes got to just say, well, here it is. Watching, That's just the way it is. The other thing is watching bad baseball. This is our job. This is what we have to do. It's not fun. Watching a game like last night. Way more exciting. Watching Tyler O'Neill hit home runs like that, I enjoy that version of the Cardinals. Bad baseball is better than no baseball, and this beats a lot of work. So I I even said this to Ricky yesterday. We're doing before the game. I said, you know what? I was just talking to Randy about this. I said, Cardinals are not playing well. Don't look good. A lot of negative things. A lot of guys injured. You know, they will come out of this. I, I realize that. This too shall pass. But man, oh man, uh, this is a rough stretch. However, this time last year, I was out of work. So I'm very happy that there's baseball back. So I take it with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? I I try to take the big picture view. And now that we're back, now you want to see him play well. And this this should be a team that plays well. And they just haven't here recently. But last night... A much different game, and that's more indicative of what we expect out of this team. And that was the game they needed. We mentioned it yesterday. I don't know if that was a must win, but it's about as close to a must win as you can get in the middle of June. And here's why. And I, I'm with you. I thought last night, and I don't normally say that this is a big game in June. I thought it was a big game, and it took on greater importance last night, more so than other games and even more so than other losing skids that I've seen over the years of doing uh, the Cardinals. And there's a few reasons why. Number one, Wayno at home. So the run differential on his ERA is around five and a half, six, something like that. He's much better at home. You're missing three-fifths of your rotation, including your number one, which is Jack Flaherty. Number ones have a great chance to stop losing skids. He's not available. So who's that guy? 
It's Adam Wainwright. So that's in the now. And then I look ahead to the weekend. And I'm saying, okay, it's Johan Oviedo. Probably should be in the minor leagues. John Gant, I'd love to see him in your bullpen if healthy. Carlos Martinez, you and I were sitting here talking three months ago and saying Carlos Martinez would look great in your bullpen. So now these three guys are starting, and you go into that series at Wrigley at 100% capacity. Be fascinated to see what Wrigley looks like tomorrow with all the fans. Will they come out? Are St. Louisans making that trip? Is it going to be like a normal Cubs-Cardinals weekend? So all those things factored in, and the team, the manner in which they were losing some of these games, PK, wasn't pretty. I mean, even though the Red Series, you had the tying or winning runs at the plate in the ninth inning, you lost those games. Winker had the three-home run game after you fought back. Then you get blown out after an off day by the Indians. I, it just had a bad feel to what was going on. So that was, I'm with you. I, I think that was a very important win for the Cardinals last night. And then you get to the first inning. And the oh first batter doubles down the line. You get an infield single. You line out. Okay, we got an out, but, you know, the runner advances. You get a double. You hit a sack fly, and it's like, oh, my God. They're going to play from behind again. Yes. And it just felt like you were waiting on the other shoe to drop. And then the bottom of the first happens. And that Yadier Molina walk, we talked about this a little off air, Dan. Ten pitch at bat. It changed everything. You could feel the energy in the stadium again because at the in the top of the first, it was like, oh, my God, are we really doing this again? Even with Wayno on the mound. Wayno was not even exempt from this. And then you get that walk from Yadier Molina. It's like, okay, maybe they can get back into this. You get Carpenter, who every time he comes up to the plate with the bases loaded, you expect him to do something special. He comes through. Cardinals get the lead. And as Mike Schilt said, when you, when you start getting the lead again, now everything starts to fall into place. That was the game changer for me. It was them responding in the bottom of the first and then Wayno going out there and doing what he did the rest of the game. I hope it came across, and maybe you can help me here on, t- uh, on television for folks that were watching on TV. But I'm telling you, after that, the bottom of the first and when they, the Molina had bat specifically, just to get a run, scratch a run across the board. Um, you could it was palpable you could feel like the pressure was being lifted off the team off the players off the fans there was a sense of "Ah, take a deep breath okay i'm telling you man it it felt that way in the bottom of the first i don't know if it came across on television that way with the fans reaction and they were loud man They, they were very loud last night they are into it this year which is great even with limited fans and we open up full capacity on monday but I'm telling you, it, it just it had a different feel in that first inning. It was just a sense of relief. It really was. You could feel it. So Wayno talked after the game last night. I thought it was really interesting. He was basically saying like, hey, I never really felt like I was out of that thing. I felt like I had made really good pitches. I felt good about my command. And they just they made some really good at-bats against me. They put together really good hitting. And then you get to the bottom of the first, and it felt like it was almost the same way for the Cardinals, where it was like, okay, We've got to take this upon ourselves. We've got to find a way to fight back and claw into this game again. And Yadier Molina is the personification of that. So him going up there and taking that 10 pitch at bat, I thought it was almost them kind of exercising the demons that they had had in the last six games. They finally were able to break through. They have had those big plate appearances in the last, as you mentioned, four games against the Reds. They never found a way to overcome it. And in this one, they finally got it. They finally got that. It wasn't a hit. It was a walk. But that big plate appearance that they needed in the biggest spot. And then Carpenter coming through. We got to give him credit as well. Him coming through 
is huge for this team. He deepens that lineup a little bit as well. Think about this, BK, and I. You know, we've talked about it a lot. Where would they be without? And at one point, they did not have Molina, Wainwright, and Nolan Arenado. Um, but last night, uh, let's give Yachty even some more credit. That was a gutsy game because he knew. To your point, yesterday was a big game. And and people can sit there and go, well, it's early June. And Dan, what are you talking about? It's 162. I get it. I'm just telling you, because of all the factors that we mentioned, they needed him. And so if you had a winning streak, if you were on the other side, he doesn't play last night. If you've had a good homestand, I don't think he plays last night because you have the off day today, get you two days, 48 more hours, and then you go into Wrigley Field. And, you know, hopefully he's healed up a little bit more. So he goes out there and guts one out. And the key play in the game, the at-bat, 10-pitch yep. at-bat, Yadier Molina at the age of 38, Adam Wainwright, age of 39, gives you seven strong. Ricky mentioned this, and we both did on the game. I would be fascinated to be a fly on the wall to find out after that half inning what were Waino and Yadi talking about. They know each other so well, and Waino is so good at making pitch-to-pitch adjustments where other guys... Um, when you watch them pitch, they, they have what they have that night, and it is what it is. Wayno has the ability, because he pitches, he doesn't throw, to make the adjustment. And he makes that adjustment better than anybody right now in baseball. I really believe that. And it happens all the time, where first inning, second inning, you know, might give up a run or two or gets hit hard, you know, and, and doesn't give up any. But he knows it could get bad so what does he do he makes the adjustment and and i i just that's why i love watching the guy pitch he is i'm gonna miss him when he's gone because man he pitches he's the anti 2021 guy throwing 105 and he's moving it both sides of the plate he's cutting it he's thinking out there like i thought ricky made a great point sometimes you have somebody come up and you know the next guy to give him a break as he makes an out is going to take a pitch what do you do boom there's strike one Little things like that of just how he thinks through a game. And if you watch it intently, man, and I make little notes on my scorecard on how he approaches guys, it's unbelievable how much he changes throughout a game. He made that adjustment. I thought his comments last night after the game, Dan, were really interesting. Take a listen to this. I didn't press the panic button because I, I felt great. I was locating my stuff. And, uh, you know, when you when you do that, usually when you feel good and you locate – everything then you got a really good chance to pitch well and so I, I came to the dugout afterwards and I said no they're not scoring any more runs I'm keeping it right there and uh, our hitters took it upon themselves to make sure that you know they were gonna put some runs on the board too love it that's a stopper and without Flaherty that's your guy especially at home that's what you expect from Adam Wainwright even at the age of 39 BK he's been awesome at home he's been great and they he gave them everything they needed and then some last night that was a mindset game that was a over my dead body I know you guys got me in the first inning it's not happening again you will not beat our team in this game because we have to have this win and we said it about Ryan O'Reilly in the Blues. There were moments this season where he said, we're not losing this game. And he single-handedly took over and made sure the Blues would not go down without a fight. I thought that was what Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina in particular did last night. And they deserve a ton of credit for it. Seven innings, two earned or below that. Adam Wainwright has done that 73 times now in the last 10 years. 127 overall. I, I assume you understand and would know that Anybody listening, Bob Gibson did it 245 times. So I don't think Wayno's going to catch him. But 
in this day and age of baseball, that is awfully impressive. And when you look at Matt Carpenter, obviously a huge at bat. He now has come up with the bases loaded 61 times in his career. That's that's a big sample size. Over an 1,100 OPS, he has driven in 91, 91 in that time, and his average is close to 500. He will finish up as one of statistically great, great hitters with the bases loaded. So and, far, the best in MLB history. And, you know, BK, he, you know, what's his track record? He's going to walk. He's going to work counts. He's going to see something like, I don't know, it's like 4.85 pitches per at bat. The pressure is on the pitcher to throw strikes. So it plays right into Carpenter's hands. He works a count, and he just seems to slow the moment down. And you got to give him credit. For all the things that you, you, you pick at him, this is one where people got to say, that's the guy that came through in a key spot in the game, and it was huge. Last night was a veteran game, and I know we're going to get to Tyler O'Neill here in a second. It was a young man's game as well. He, he certainly contributed in a big game, in a big way, but... What you saw last night from Yadier Molina gutting that one out and Adam Wainwright on the mound and Paul Goldschmidt. I think his homer is a little underrated in what he did last night in that game as well. Those guys were huge contributors to that game, but we have to we also have to mention what Tyler O'Neill did. Dan, you want to get into him in the next segment? That's what we're going to do. And hopefully we're um, happy on Monday when we're talking about the Cardinals, too. It's a tough series coming up with the Cubs. Tyler O'Neill, huge night last night. He had a couple of home runs, and he's now up to 15. Also, as we talked about with the Yachty at bat and the Carpenter at bat, it doesn't get there without the speed of Tyler O'Neill. He's in the top five, top ten of MLB sprint speed. So he showed you last night, BK, and this is why I keep saying it, he has turned into an entertaining player. I don't know if I would have said that last year or the year before because – I don't want to say he's a one-trick pony because he could always run, but it's about getting on base at times and showing off the skill set that he possesses. So in that first inning, an infield hit, beats it out, no throw, not even a chance for them to get Tyler O'Neill. He made a diving catch in left field, hits a couple of bombs. Tyler O'Neill right now, and this to me is pretty amazing when you think about where O'Neill is. The Cardinals have played 62 games. He's been on the IL, so he's played in 43 of the games. His average, by the way, has jumped up to 291. <laughs> and the thing that, that gets my attention, and you look at OPS, that's what everybody's looking at, on-base plus slugging. He's at 974 with five walks. <laughs> that's all he's done is five walks. That's going to help your on-base percentage. So five walks. He has the, he's tied for the lowest walk rate in Major right. League Baseball right now. So 44 hits, and 24 of those have gone for extra bases, and 15 of the 24 are home runs. Um you know, the All-Star game is not that far away, and I, I just wonder if he's going to start getting some consideration for this because now he's in the top four, I believe, in home runs in the National League, and he's not slowing down. This is the player that they all were trying to tell us, hey, he could be this guy. We're seeing it now. So it's interesting. Um, I always harp back to the very end of last season. The Cardinals' season was on the line. It was the bottom of the ninth inning. They were down 4 to nothing against the San Diego Padres in game number three. It was their final out, and Tyler O'Neill was expected to come to the plate. They pinch hit for him That's in right. that spot. They put Austin Dean into the game because Tyler O'Neill was so lost at the plate at that point, and this, again, is the season on the line, the very last out of the year in the playoffs, and they pinch hit Austin Dean for Tyler O'Neill. Dean, at that point in time, I thought it was over. I thought it was done for Tyler O'Neill here in St. Louis because if you have lost that much faith in him at that point in your season when everything is on the line, how is that kind of guy going to be able to recover from that just from a pure confidence point? 
And now you look at what he's done over the last month. It's unbelievable. In 19 games, he has six doubles, 10 homers, and 20 RBI. Wow. He has more RBI than games played over the last month. It's it's remarkable. And you mentioned the all-star thing. I think there's no doubt about it at this point. He's deserving of, at the very minimum, consideration. Sure. And I think you can make a strong case that he's deserving of getting into the game. Um I found in the game last night, if you're watching the game and if you really watch his at-bats intently, and it's not to say this isn't going to happen or he's going to get into a rut and falls back into some patterns, but if you look middle, outer half, slider, curveball, breaking balls in general, um, that's a pitch that he chases. And he's going to strike out his fair share on those pitches. However, the adjustment he's made on a breaking ball, I think it's something like eight or nine of his 15 home runs have been hit on a breaking ball. It's eight of them so far this it's, year. It's been significant, BK, and it started out, and we did, I think, you know, 12 or 15 of the spring training games, and we noticed it from day one. And so that happened a couple of times where he laid off that pitch. But I noticed day one, he's taking the ball up the middle, lets the ball get deep, and he'll go to right field. And he's got the power to hit it out to right field, which he's done a few times this year. So if he makes that adjustment to where he can kind of eliminate that pitch, not all the time, it's going to happen, you're going to strike out. And again, he may have a 10-day rut where it just looks awful. May happen, hopefully it doesn't for him. But generally speaking this year, the improvement on that and chasing the ball out of the zone has been significant. And I don't care what metrics show, just watch the game. It'll tell you. He's not chasing that pitch as much. He will. He's susceptible to it. But... Generally speaking, he has made an adjustment, and he had to because of what you said. At the end of last year, I mean, teams are flipping sliders up every single time he's chasing, he strikes out. And you're right. They pinch hit for him with the season on the line because he hadn't made that adjustment. He's made that adjustment. It was the right move, by the way, for Mike Schultz in that spot. It was the right move then, and he's made the adjustments, and that's why Tyler O'Neill deserves a ton of credit for what he's done. The other thing, Dan, you look at his spray chart for what he's been so far this year. I would expect, given the the profile that he is, a pure slugger, right? I would expect, okay, this is just going to be Deadpool all day long, and so they're going to start shifting him. It's not that way. He's hitting to all fields. He is like his spray chart almost looks as if he's a slap hitter. If you just took away, if you covered up the home runs, right? But he's not. He's hitting the ball as hard as anybody in the sport right now. It's going to all fields. I mean, I I don't know how you defend this guy right now. I would say this too, BK, and I I don't know from your perspective if you would agree with this. I've seen him since he he came up. So I, I just watch how a lot of times I pay attention during um in between innings and just how body language i think body language tells you a ton in any walk of life this guy which you will not be able to measure in any statistic no metric no saber metric look at it he's confident and i haven't seen him play with this type of confidence ever since this year in this is the year that he's doing it and i think when and i mentioned this with randy this morning i remember we were in seattle a couple of years ago, Ozuna got hurt, and so he was going to get a chance to have a little run. And you could see there was just a slight hesitation with things and just not letting it go and just playing and just don't worry about it. Don't look over your shoulder. Don't worry about getting taken out of the lineup. You're in there. You're going to play. And I think now confidence is a big part of what we're seeing with Tyler O'Neill, and we can measure it with all the things we just talked about. And I am in total agreement. It tells a story. However... I do think between the years, there's a feeling of, okay, I belong, I can do this, I've shown it, 
and now I'm going to be the player that I know I can be and showed, by the way, in the minor leagues defensively for sure and now offensively. And so confidence is a big thing of what's happening right now with him too. I think there's a little bit of bleep it with him too. You know, like if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down my way. I'm not looking for the walks. I'm going up there and I'm swinging for the fences because that's who I am as a player. And I'm confident that I'm going to be able to make it despite the lack of walks and despite the 35% strikeout rate, which I don't hear a whole lot of people complaining about right now because it's as high as it's ever been at any point in his career. But it doesn't matter. No. Like when you're making contacts the way that he is right now and he's basically... 60% of the time he's able to have any chance of making any contact. It's amazing. He is literally unlike any player in the sport with what he's doing right now offensively. And I I keep going back to this. You know, the bottom line is, what are we? We're we're entertainment. We want to watch entertainment. We want to see action. We want to have fun, see the best players in the world do what they do. This guy is entertainment right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the biggest thing for me is simplification. Um understanding which numbers work for me you know there's so much uh so many metrics and so many uh so much different data that you can uh you know use and talk about uh so just really understanding you know how i'm getting attacked and um you know just being able to utilize myself and uh knowing knowing, uh, where i can do damage in the zone has, has helped me a lot this year what i hear is i've made an adjustment that's that's what i take out of that how they attack me looking at the charts and the scouting reports and thinking through the at bat it's adjustments, and sometimes it takes a while, and here it is. He's made the adjustment. I think one adjustment he may have made, and I, I keep bringing up the conversation that we had with Tory Hunter prior to the season because it was so insightful for me. Tory talked about how you know early in his career he was going up and down and up and down, and it didn't really click for him until like year three or four in the yeah. big leagues, and then he became a borderline Hall of Fame player. Um, and Tory talked about how hey, that, that final year I was like, you know what? I'm not listening to the third base coach with his uh, ideas of what my swing should look like anymore. I, I listened to the guy in row seven, seat six. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I've, I've heard all of the things that I should or shouldn't be doing. I'm just going to be me. And if I fail being me, so be it. But that's the way I'm going down. And I think there's some of that in what Tyler O'Neill's saying there as well. He's saying, hey, I figured out which what of the information that they're giving me, what works for me and what doesn't. And I'm going to push some of it to the side. And that's not him being like stuck up or um, ignoring it. He just knows what will and won't work for him. And I think there's some of that as well. And I think there's there's something to be said for that as a player for of sure. having the confidence to know this is what I need. And I'm sure that there are players that need this other stuff as well. I don't. So I'm going to I'm going to pay attention to this stuff. And as long as it's working for him. Hey, man, more power to him for it. Ultimately, it's your career. So yes. if I'm going down, I'm going, I've tried, I've listened to everything. I'm trying everything. I'm doing everything you want me to do. But sometimes you got to go back to what makes you you. And that works. So Daniel Descalso, the uh, former Cardinal world champion from 2000. Awesome to have the chance to catch up again with Daniel Descalso, a member of the 2011 world champion St. Louis Cardinals. Hey, Daniel, good morning. How you doing? Hey, Danny. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, I, I want to ask you about this. I, I know you are very close and probably still very close with John Jay. Um, it's one of my favorite interviews, and I've done thousands of them. Uh, BK and I had John Jay on the air, uh, I guess about a week ago or yeah, so, about BK. about this time last week. And uh, it was one of the, the my favorite interviews I've ever done. And John was talking about passing up a major league job. He had a job with the Angels, as you well know. 
to I got goosebumps describing this to go play for Team USA and then his family's history and what they dealt with in Cuba, now being uh, residents here in the United States and how important that was for him. As this guy is your good buddy, and I know you guys, like I said, are very tight. What, what what's that like? I mean, what what does that mean to you to see him and the pride that he takes in playing for Team USA? I'm just really curious about that. Yeah, you know, uh, I listened to the show when he was on. Um, he sent it over after, and you know, it, it, he didn't he didn't let you guys get uh, many words in. You know, Jay kind of <laughs> over. it was, was kind of like uh, he was running his own podcast or something. But um, you know, we we talk every day, and and when the, the Team USA opportunity uh, it popped up earlier in the spring when they were putting together the player pool, um, you know, John and I were talking, and that's something that he really he really wanted to be a part of. Um, you know, like you said, his his story of his family coming from Cuba and you know establishing themselves in the United States, and he got to play for Team USA as a, as a college player and have a chance to help help United States qualify for the Olympics. Um, you know, he, turning down a major league job. John's been in the big leagues for for ten plus years. He's a world champion. Like, you know, the chance to win a gold medal at this at this point in his career um, obviously outweighed the, uh, the the chance to be you know a, a part time player on a big league team. So you know, for most most guys would take that big league opportunity, but you know. Hey, Jay, Jay knows what he wants, and, and he wanted to go be a part of that Team USA, and good for him. You know, I, I called the cat right afterward. You love the cat, right? I mean, Jim Hayes. Oh, the, cat's the, the, the cat's the best. Yes. So I called the cat on the way home, and I said, Jimmy, I said, I just did this interview with John Jay. And I said, John, Daniel Descalso, David Fries, Alan Craig, I said, did they ever turn you down, even in a losing skit or if they're not going well, did they ever turn you down for an interview? He said, no. I said, yeah, those guys are the best. Me too. Never. They never turn us down for an interview. However, John Jay said more in that interview in his answers than I've ever, like if you get him away from the microphone back in his early career, he'd talk your ear off. But when you'd say, how are things going? I'm just trying to give 110%. You know, we got great guys on this team, great veterans, and I'm really excited to be here. What do you think about how things are going at the plate? Oh, you know, I mean, I'm just making adjustments, doing the best I can, 110%. I mean, it was the best interview I've heard with him ever. So if you talk to him today, tell him that uh, Danny Mack and BK are so appreciative. And, and uh, it was awesome. I mean, it just it's fun watching you guys grow up from being these young guys, these young players that don't want to make any noise to now feeling comfortable enough to really express yourself. So I, I just thought it was awesome. Yeah, you know, uh, I'll take a little credit for that. Uh, you know, getting John out of his shell over the years. You know, we, we, we're, uh, you know, all of us were like company guys. You know, we just wanted to do what we could to help the team win, um, you know, get us into a postseason or, you know, make a push for a World Series. And we don't want to ruffle any feathers. Um, like you said, we were young guys. We we're just trying to carve out carve out a role uh, in the big leagues and help the team win and, and not be a distraction. And But, you know, uh, we do have a lot of things to say uh, nowadays. Um, <laughs> we've, seen a lot of, we, 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 we've seen a lot in this game, and, uh, you know, we're happy to share that with you guys. It's awesome. When does that click, Daniel? Was there a point in time, maybe for you, I don't know if this is the case for other guys as well, but was there a moment when you were like, hey, I'm pretty established. Like, if I've got something to say within that clubhouse, maybe not to the media, but in that clubhouse, you felt pretty confident and, and had conviction in going out and saying that to your teammates? Well, you know, I, I think there was always, uh, you know, a respect, um, you know, we got from the from the older guys. Once you kind of prove yourself that that you, you know, that you're a pro and that you, you know, show up to work every day, you know, ready to to grind it out and help the team win. You know, I think you, once you earn that respect in the clubhouse, you know, maybe you can you can speak up a little bit more, but you're not going to pull a a Chris Carpenter or a you know an Albert Pools aside and, and you know give him a pep talk. But for me, it was it was going 
you know, when I left St. Louis and went to Colorado, all of a sudden I was a, an older guy in that clubhouse and it happened pretty quickly. So um, there were some younger guys in that team, uh, DJ LeMahieu and, and Nolan Arenado that I could kind of pass along uh, some things that I had learned from the veterans in St. Louis. So that was where it kind of clicked for me. when I went from being one of the younger guys in the clubhouse to a, to a veteran player in you know the span of a few months. Last time we talked to you, you were still looking to, to sign on with the team, and you said, I can't say anything, but I got some news coming up. So you are currently at AAA St. Paul Saints. You're with the uh, Twins organization. Hit your first home run of the season uh, Tuesday night. First of all, how is that going, and how do you treat that role of being a veteran that I'm sure so many guys want to talk to you and pick your brain? So now you're on the other side. So generally speaking, how's it going, and then the, the role of being a guy that's been in the big leagues and now at AAA? Yeah, you know, it's been a, it's been a struggle uh, so far. You know, I haven't played really since uh, spring training 2.0 uh, last summer. So, you know, I, I knew it was going to be an, an adjustment. Um you know, so I'm just working on, you know, getting my timing down. I'm starting to feel a little better. Like you said, I finally hit a homer and found a barrel. I felt like it had been a while. Um, but, yeah, being an older guy with, with my experience, there's, um, you know, there's some younger guys here trying to, you know, navigate their way and, and establish themselves um, at AAA and get to the big leagues. And so, you know, I, I've been, you know, pretty open about just, just talking to guys about whatever, whether it's, you know, the other night we had a pitcher that was, you know, he was working kind of slow when guys got on base. And I, I kind of just asked him, like, hey, are you doing that because you, uh, you are worried about these guys stealing or, or what's, what is that part of your game plan? Because it's harder to play defense when you're taking so long between pitches. Just, you know, little things like that that maybe guys may not think about. So, you know, I, I don't have all the answers, but I, I've been around and I, I've seen a lot of stuff. So I feel like I can help some guys out. Daniel, it's interesting down in AAA this year, uh, they did expand the bases. I think it's like 18 inches now instead of the 15 inches previously. Have you noticed any change with that? Is there anything that you've seen that has changed because of the expanded bases? So it, it took me actually a few days to realize that the bases were a little bigger. I think we were taking ground balls and, I, they, and they looked off to me, like something didn't seem quite right. And then somebody said, oh, yeah, yeah what do you think of the bigger bases? I was like, oh, yeah, they are a little bigger. But other than, you know, a couple inches bigger, I haven't noticed any, any difference. Um, they do feel like they, uh, they give a little more, so they're not as slick. If someone, like, if they were wet, um, they, you might not see a guy slide over the top of it, um, you know, twist an ankle or something. So, but other than the, you know, marginal size increase, there's been no impact on the, on the game that I can see. Where did they have you playing? Because you're, you know, a guy that uh, can play third. You can play short. You can play first. Probably play the outfield. Where do they have you playing right now? Oh, I've been playing third and second. Um, you know, there's at this level, you know, got guys that can play everywhere. So they try to mix mix guys around. So me, I've been bouncing back and forth between third and second, which is you know nothing new for me. I've been doing that for the past you know 15 years. So uh, same old, same old. We're talking to Daniel Descalso here on 101 ESPN. Daniel, the other thing that the Miners are doing this year, if I'm not mistaken, is you guys have these longer series where you're basically playing the same team for, for the majority of a week. What's that been like for you? Is Has that been bringing on any rivalries, or what, what's been the change there? Uh, you know, for me, it hasn't, but I think some of the guys are getting tired of playing the same team six times in a row. Um <laughs> You know, there's like some guys have been saying, man, I wish we, you know, three game or four game series. But uh, honestly, I, I think it's it's much a better setup from them. The last time I was in AAA, the 
you know, they, every Monday is an off day and they're giving, you know, guys, it's better travel. I used, I remember waking up in Memphis, um, you know, being that far East in the PCL, we'd have to have a 4am bus to the airport. Um, Cause you have to take the earliest flight out. We'd have a two hour layover in Dallas. So me and JJ and Alan Craig would be finding a place on the floor in the Dallas airport to try to get a nap in, you know, take a plane flight to wherever, drop the bags in the hotel and go straight to the field. So, um, I know with the six-game series, you know, you might get sick and tired of playing the same team six days in a row, but I think it's just a better setup for the travel and, and you know, for keeping guys healthy and ready to go. What are the crowds like as we welcome fans back to <clears throat> baseball in the majors and in the minors? I, I My understanding is at Memphis, uh, and I can only speak to the, what I've heard from the Cardinal personnel, the, the crowds have been pretty good. What, what are you seeing? So uh, St. Paul has has like a pretty rich history of yeah. independent baseball here. So, uh you know, and they're fired up to be a part of, uh, you know, affiliate of the Twins now. And so we just, oh, they just opened uh, full capacity, I believe, the other night. So the last couple nights we've had uh, a lot more fans and you can just, it's just way better playing with the, with the buzz in the ballpark and, and people in the seats. And I know, I know the fans enjoy being, um, you know, in the, in the stands and watching the game instead of, you know, watching at home. It's just, it's, I'm glad to see that, that things are, are getting back to uh, you know more normal, and, and we're getting uh, you know fans in the arenas, in, in the stadiums. It's it's way better. As a guy that has spent uh, a decade in the big leagues, what's your mindset? Getting you know trying to get called back up or finding a place with another team, but you're back in the minor leagues. Um, maybe a tough question to answer, but you know basically your love of the game is why you do it in in many ways. So what's your mindset right now with that? Yeah, you know obviously the goal is to get back to the big leagues, right? Um, whether it's with the twins or, or anybody else, you know, I do have like some opt outs in, in my contract, but um, you know, with the way that, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a very good year in, in Chicago in 19. I had a, a really bad year, you know, injuries and didn't play well and then didn't play at all last year. So for me, I just, you know, I, I wanted to go out there and, and give it a shot see if I could still do this at a high level. And uh, you know, instead of just wondering, you know, what if, if I, if I didn't, find a job this year so you know that was my mindset going in like I'm going to go out there I'm going to play I, I love playing I'm going to go see see what I still have left and hopefully it's enough to get back to the big leagues final question that I've got for you Daniel the Cardinals are taking on the Cubs this weekend in a big series for both teams you got a chance to be on both sides of that rivalry do you have a favorite memory from cards Cubs at any point in your career I think for me it's my my first series uh in Wrigley as a player, um, you know, with the Cardinals in 2010, it was one of my first road trips. Um, you know, my family was out there just a weekend at Wrigley Cubs Cardinals. You know, I, I know um, if you ask the players, they might downplay the rivalry a little bit, you know, players come and go. It's different with free agency and you know all the, the turnover on the team, but you know, the rivalry is really about, about the fans. You have generations of Cubs fans, Cardinals fans. Maybe you have, you know, a best friend that's a Cubs fan. You're a Cardinals fan. You have that rivalry that's going to last forever. Um, so it's it's about the fans and to have Wrigley at full capacity this weekend for uh, you know Cubs and Cardinals. I think it's going to be it should be a great series. It's awesome. Hey Daniel, it's always great to uh, catch up with you. Want to see you in the big leagues as soon as possible. And thanks for always hopping on with us. We really appreciate it. Of course, I know uh, I know John hopped on last week and kind of teased a little. Uh, a little uh, small reunion we might do outside of uh, outside of the season back in St. Louis. We're looking forward to that, and him and myself and, and David and John, a little uh, interaction with the fans, maybe a little more intimate setting. And uh, also we got a little uh, – remember High Sox Sundays? Oh, yeah. Uh, back, in, uh, back in our heyday. 
John and I are working on putting a little, uh, a little high sock Sunday apparel. Uh, we got a, We partnered with some companies. So uh, everybody out there be, uh, be on the lookout for some, some high sock Sunday stuff coming up to celebrate 11 and 11. That is awesome. When, when will you guys have that out? We're not sure. We're, we're working on it right now. We're working through the details, but uh, hopefully uh, sooner than later. But, you know, as we get towards, um, you know, the reunion in September and, and maybe our little thing we're doing later in the year, uh, you know, we'll have some more information. We'll get it out there for everybody. Yeah, make sure you hop on, let us know about it, and uh, we'll promote the hell out of it and get you guys in studio or whatever we need to do to, to make sure and, and get you connected with the fans because the fans love you guys. I, there's a bunch of texts saying, please tell Daniel I love him. So <laughs> on behalf of all those texters, uh, they love you. So thanks for all doing right. this, John or, uh, Daniel, and, and tell John hello for us, please. I will. Thanks a lot, guys. You got it. That's uh, Daniel Descalso, and he and John Jay and David Freeze at that time. I'm trying to think who uh, there's the Memphis Mafia, uh, Alan Craig for sure, and I mean all these guys played vital. Skip. Yeah, Skip was another guy. Vital roles, man. Just important pieces to that puzzle that uh, came together for the St. Louis Cardinals. And you look up, John Jay, ten years in the big leagues. Descalso, ten years in the big leagues. David Freeze. One of the greatest moments in baseball history. Hell of a career. Alan Craig, thank goodness he got paid. I mean, things came off at the end, but, you know, he was awesome with runners in scoring position here. I mean, he was automatic with runners in scoring position. Shredder. I mean, it, it was it was all of them, right? But to the point of those guys getting developed in the Cardinals minor league system, you know, you got to have that. you got to sprinkle in those players, and they become very good long uh, long-term big leaguers, so it's a credit to the organization and them. And honestly, in some ways, Edmundo Sosa is kind of in that same yes. light this year, right? It, it took a little longer than people expected, and uh, I certainly, I can speak for myself, wasn't sure what he was going to be for the Cardinals this year, or whether or not he would even make this big league club, but they were right in keeping him on the team. He served a vital role for them. We've talked about this with Wayno and Yachty and Arnado, but imagine where this team would be if they didn't have Edmundo Sosa. Wow. It it would be a problem for them. These This last month or so without Paul DeYoung would have been difficult to be able to cover innings at shortstop. It's really interesting, too, as we have a couple of minutes here before I ask you what's coming up on your program with uh, Alex Ferrario, but I'm anticipating that if it's not on Friday at some point this weekend, we're going to see Paul DeYoung. So that would allow the Cardinals to put DeYoung at short. I would put Sosa at second, and I'm looking at Tommy Edmond in right field. Yep. Now, Carpenter is swinging the bat well, so maybe one of the ways that you play it too is that if he's going to get a start, but then you're able to double switch him out or just a straight switch, it doesn't matter, take him out of the game late innings for defensive purposes. So that allows you, when he comes back, to make your bench a little bit better, which is something that needs to be addressed right now, especially from the right side. Bench has not been productive. Yeah, it hasn't been, and this was kind of my fear whenever we were talking about the Albert Pujols yeah. thing is, hey, he could help you. I, I did think that then, and I still believe it now. Um, the funny thing is, like I would say, I'm sure there are some in the audience that would say, hey, just platoon it. Platoon it with Edmundo Sosa. Uh, surprisingly enough, Edmundo Sosa not been good this year against lefties, has had most of his success against righties. So there's not really a natural platoon option there, but what you said might be the best option. You go with Matt Carpenter early innings, and then you put Edmundo Sosa out there late innings for some uh, defensive replacement value. Gives him a little flexibility, yep. which is a good thing. Uh, what's coming up on your show? Looking forward to it today, Dan. We've got to talk, uh, of course, about what Adam Wainwright did last night. We're going to get into the Tyler O'Neill All-Star case coming up as well. And Buster Olney, one of the best baseball writers in the country, will join us coming up at noon. Noon, Buster? 12 o'clock today. I'll yes, be sir. tuned in. I was at 11. He'll be our guest next.